0: How wonderful is our Savior's love for us. What a wonderful thing to know that the God we serve is not cold and distant and uninterested. But rather he came among his own. In the incarnation he lowered himself and became as one of us so that he might be tempted and tried in every temptation and trial that we go through. And yet he might resist, he might remain sinless, so that he might be our perfect sacrifice. And today, as he has ascended, the Bible tells us that he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And there he intercedes. As wonderful as his work for us was on the cross and the resurrection, Jesus Uh, That redemption may be finished, but his work for us still continues as he still watches us and intercedes for us. What a wonderful, wonderful love our Savior's love for us is. We continue this morning in the book of Genesis, and the, the, the story of Joseph's life, and you're going to have to listen fast this morning, because when we have communion, that always kind of cuts a little chunk of time, it's a valuable time, it's not a waste of time, I love it, but that means I'm going to have to talk a little faster, you're going to have to listen a little faster, so if you want to uh, take notes, if you're taking notes, there's that insert in the bulletin, and, and the message is entitled, uh, Joseph Meets Pharaoh, but you might want to subtitle it. Being a Christian in a non-Christian world. Because this is all about when Joseph... Here he is, the outsider, the non-Egyptian, the one who comes from a completely different faith and background. He's been living in this non-Hebrew, non-God-following world, at least the God of the Hebrews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't know about him in Egypt. And here he comes. He's been living in that world, but he meets Pharaoh, who is the ultimate epitome of of this non-Christian world, you might say. And this is where they meet. I want to invite you to stand now as we begin reading in Genesis chapter 41. Our story today will take us all the way through the end of Genesis, but we'll just read uh, the first 16 verses uh, to kind of get the feel of it. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now, two full years, what's what's that about? That's two full years after the cupbearer or the butler, depending on your translation, after Joseph had set him at ease and said, hey, your dream's going to be okay. And he said, don't, don't forget me. And cupbearer said, yeah, yeah. Well, he forgot. <laughs> two years later, so that's what it is. Then it came to the pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river, seven fat cows, fine looking and fat. And they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows come up after them out of the river, ugly, gaunt, and stood by other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good, and then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them, and the seven full heads the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh woke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians in Egypt and all of its wise men. And Pharaoh told them of his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. And then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and he put me in custody of the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. And there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him and he interpreted our dreams for us. And each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that we would just acknowledge that, God, what we need in life is not more of ourselves, it's more of you. You've blessed us. You've given each of us our own abilities and talents and gifts. And yet those things without your guidance, your direction, and your blessing mean nothing. Whatever we build without your blessing, without your spirit, without your power, it's all in vain. And God, we pray that we would understand that Joseph's life without you is nothing but a tragic tale. But with you, it is a miracle of salvation. And Father, I pray that we would understand that our own stories are like that. Without you, they're tragic, but with you there is redemption and hope. Bless this time we have together as we think about your word that we've just read. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you can be seated. Here's where we are in Joseph's story. He was the rich spoiled brat. His brothers hated him. He ends up on an errand for his father. The brothers see an opportunity. They say, let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. One of the brothers says, "Uh, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Maybe we should just, you know, stick him in this pit. And and he thinks, well, you know, I'll come back and save him later. He wanders off to set up his plan. In the meantime, a slave caravan comes by, and they, they pick him up, and they take him down to Egypt, and he's sold as a slave to Potiphar, who is uh, the, the, the captain of, of the royal protection for Pharaoh. And so he gets sold as a slave. Things are rough. Things are hard. But he works and God blesses and he begins to rise and rise and rise until he is the very uh, head man other than Potiphar himself in his own house. And Potiphar was a high-ranking official. A- and everything was going great. And then we know things turn bad again because of Mrs. Potiphar. She makes an Uh, an accusation and all of a sudden he's back worse off than he was before not only a slave but a prisoner as well and there he is working in the prison and we saw last time that there he was doing what he was supposed to do just serving and 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 he was blessed again and again and he becomes all of a sudden in charge of this prison underneath the head man himself And, and this baker and this butler or cupbearer, they come in and they have dreams. And the first one really, the the baker really doesn't want to hear his dream interpreted because he knows he did wrong. And so he really doesn't know, want to face what it means. But the cupbearer feels, you know, feels like, I I don't know why I'm in here. What did I do? What's this dream about? And Joseph interprets it And it's a good interpretation. Hey, in three days, Pharaoh's gonna come back and he's gonna, it's gonna be his birthday. And by the way, there was this little tradition where on the Pharaoh's birthday or on his anniversary, as kind of part of the celebration, he'd set some people free, okay? And Joseph says, okay, on his birthday, you're gonna get set free. Well, the baker who'd been kind of scared and worried, he says, well, he got a good dream interpretation. Maybe I'll get a good dream interpretation, Uh, but it wasn't so good for him. Joseph said, you in three days, on the other hand, the Pharaoh has not decided he's not angry with you anymore. In fact, he just decided you're worthy of death and you're going to be hanged. And, And so we don't really hear much about him after that or his response to the story, But the other guy, the cupbearer or the butler, whatever you want to call him, he's like, Oh, thank you. You know, he's, and and this is great. And Joseph's like, Remember me. He doesn't remember. Well, two years afterward, Joseph is still languishing in that prison and he gets a call. And it's all because of the Pharaoh. Some of y'all have to have a very particular. Um, way that you go to bed, you know. Some of you maybe you have some ocean waves go. Some of you you have to have a fan. Some of you are like the princess in the pea, you know. There's one little fold or crease, and and, and all of a sudden everybody's got to get out of the bed, and we got to make it, and it's got to be all perfect. I know none none of you know what I'm talking about. I can tell. But Pharaoh, he was kind of he was kind of one of those people that had to sleep in a certain way. And when his dreams, when he started having weird dreams, man, he couldn't take it. He couldn't stand it. And often he'd make himself feel better by calling on his wise men, his magicians, and, and, and his scholars. And they'd give him some little something. Oh, that means you're going to prosper. Or, you know, they'd tell him something that sounded like a, foreign, like a, like a, a, a fortune cookie. And, and he was okay. But this time, this dream comes along, and it really bothers him. You know, it's this story about some fat cows and some skinny cows, I saw the other day on Facebook a little thing about cows and, and them eating, and it said, cows are proof that eating salads does not make you skinny, okay, because all they do is eat green stuff all day long. I, I like that philosophy. I thought that was pretty cool. But it's interesting here, we're so obsessed in our society with being thin or skinny, but Nobody wants a skinny cow, okay? You all want a fat cow because you all want a good juicy steak. And this, these skinny cows, they were scary, okay? These were nightmare cows, and they disturbed his sleep. And then the next string was about heads of grain and some full fat heads of grain. You know, they were going to make some good grape nuts or some kind of great cereal or bread or something. And But then there's these skinny puny ones. And somehow the puny ones ate them up, but they didn't get any fatter. And, and Pharaoh was disturbed. His sleep was bothered. I mean, this was worse than snoring. This was worse than anything you can imagine. His sleep, he just... He just couldn't rest all night, and he wakes up, and you've had those mornings when you wake up, and you know it's time to get up and go, but your body's saying, no, I don't want to go. I'm, I'm, I didn't rest. I don't have any peace. And so nobody can help him understand what's going on. And finally, this cupbearer says, uh, in, in our language, he says, "Oh, <laughs> my bad you know he says he says, "I today remember my transgressions, and then he says, "In other words, I told this guy I was going to help him out, but I kind of forgot I kind of just chose to not tell you about him, but there happens to be a guy who 's really great at interpreting dreams, and so they call him up but he doesn't go straight from the prison he he's kind of go, goes a whirlwind makeover or something you know they shave him and they put him in a robe and they bathe him and they pretty him up and whatever and then he goes in front all presentable to be in front of pharaoh pharaoh tells him the dream and he sits there and he says hey listen god's got dreams i I know you heard that i've got dreams but i serve god and he's got dreams and he's the one that's going to help you out. And so he begins to tell, and this goes beyond the passage that we read, he begins to interpret the dream. He says the two dreams are one and the same. They're just two different ways of looking at the same thing. There's going to be seven years of plenty. That is bumper crops. That is, you don't even have a place. If you don't have build new storage buildings now, your grain and all your food, it's going to go to waste because there's going to be more than you've ever had. And it's going to be a fantastic seven years. But after that, it's going to be the worst famine you've ever seen. The next seven years, it's going to be bad, bad, worse, awful, terrible. It's just going to keep on going. It's awful. It's awful. Now, I could never make a living as a, a farmer. I don't think farmers, if you're a full-time farmer, you have faith beyond mine Because that is tough to, to depend on. I, I remember as a child, we sold. We had a little pecan ultra orchard. We saw, sold pecans, and, and that was just kind of a side deal, right? And some years, you'd have a great year. And, oh, this is great. And the next year, man, there's nothing. Everything is underdeveloped. And, and it's, that one bad year is bad. And then I remember maybe there'd be a couple times where maybe there'd be two bad years. And that was really bad. But imagine seven bad years in a row. And this was not just extra spending money like pecans were for us. This is your very livelihood. This is your life, having something to eat. And this famine uh, was going to hit the whole entire region. And he says, listen. And Pharaoh listens to him. He says, whoa. (laughs) I mean, he's convinced. That's good stuff. You're right on. I can feel it within me that that's the right thing. But what in the world am I supposed to do about this? And, and I love Joseph's response here. He says, you should find a really smart guy. You should find a stand-up individual that you can trust and, and that, can, that can handle taking care of all this bumper crop and saving it so that the next seven years this entire area of the world doesn't starve and die. And Pharaoh looks at him and says, hey, is there anybody else that I've ever seen that has the Spirit of God in them like I see it in you? No, absolutely not. You're the man. You're the one. And so he puts him in charge. He gives him new clothes. He gives him a wife. I don't know if, you know, we don't know if, he's, if it's a good thing or not, but he says, here's a wife, you know, uh, you take her. And um, he gets all this stuff without even asking for it, okay? Okay. Um, Just to cover myself, the Bible says he who gets a wife gets a good thing, okay? So, if Denise, if you're listening. All right. So, what does all this stuff mean? I think there's some stuff that's really important to us. As Christians living in a non-Christian world, just like Joseph was totally out of his element, number one, work for the Lord. Work hard for the Lord wherever you are. A lot of us are going to be under bosses or under authority that we don't really uh, believe in. We, we don't think they're worthy of honor. We don't think they're right. And you know, all that is is a bunch of excuses if you're using that as a reason not to give your best. What we watch in the life of Joseph is whether he's a slave, whether he's a prisoner, whether he's wrongly accused, whether he's got a good boss or bad boss, wherever he is, God is work. He is working and God is blessing that hard work. We have a lot of people today who just kind of think, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to be blessed, so therefore, you know, let go and let God, right? No, God wants us to use the gifts and abilities and talents and time and strength that we have to go out there and to work hard. I remember one of my uh, ministry professors, one day he said, now let me tell you one thing, boys. When you go out there and you get a church job, let me tell you one thing that can absolutely destroy you. And I thought he was going to say preaching heresy or running off with somebody. And he said, if they think you're lazy, if you get out there and you don't do anything, he said, it will absolutely kill your ministry. And we know that's, that's true in all of life. We know people we regard as lazy. We, we look at what they deliver, the product of what they do, and it's half-baked. It's get-by. It is just filling up time type of work. And God has called us to not be those type of people. And I don't care whether you've got a Christian or non-Christian boss, a Christian or non-Christian environment, good or bad, whoever you're serving, what does the Bible tell us? Everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. And so, even though they may be, that boss may not be respectable. Guess what? I don't have to respect my boss to work hard. I respect God. And I'm doing what I'm doing for him. And so, great. If, he honor, if this boss man honors me, awesome. If he doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it for God. Work hard wherever you are. Number two, don't lose hope. Whatever situation you're in, I'm going to tell you, you don't know the future. You may be in a situation that looks like it's going downward, that looks like you're not being blessed, you're not being rewarded, you're not being, uh, you know, taken care of. Life's not fair, in other words. And guess what? Life isn't fair without God. But see, God tells us something. When, when Peter asked a question, when a bunch of people turned away from him and they just couldn't follow Jesus anymore, and Peter looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, we've left everything and we've followed after you. What's going to happen to us? And my natural, you know, I want to predict, I like to predict what's coming next when I read a book. And I want to predict that Jesus said, man, shut up. What are you talking about? You you did all this stuff for me. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't get on to Peter. He says, in fact, he says, all those who have given up houses or or family or goods or whatever that they'll be repaid a hundred times a hundredfold this life and the next and you got to get that next part in there (laughs) because sometimes our rewards don't come in this life like I'm gonna have to wait for eternity for some of my rewards yes absolutely but guess what the rewards you get here in life they're nice they're pretty they're neat but they last what 20 30 40 50 60 70 years at most But the rewards that God says, I'm going to wait and give you this one in the end, those rewards are eternal. They last forever. Don't give up hope. One last thing I want to talk about, and that is don't sweat the small stuff. Or you could say don't be outraged all the time. Christians are so funny in this country Christians are known less for what they believe in and what they do than they are for what they get mad about. If you're a real Christian, then you're going to be furious about blah, 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 blah. You see that in chain emails and and messengers and and all this stuff. And, And we're all like, if you're a really good Christian, you should be outraged and constantly People in our society think that being a Christian is measured by what you're outraged by. And if you're not outraged by a whole lot of stuff, then you must not be some really good Christian. I want you to think about Joseph's life here. Joseph had a full beard, like the Hebrews normally did. That was the way his people, his culture, the followers of Jehovah, that was their normal deal to wear a full beard. That was a badge of honor for them. And guess what? They said, you're going to see the pharaoh whoop, whoop, get rid of it all. Oh, those clothes that you have that, that kind of make you feel good, and they're, they're the way your homelanders dress, now those are gone too. Um, guess what? <laughs> we're we're going to give you a, a different wife. We're, we're going to change every, we're even going to give you a new name. It's a pagan name. It's an ungodly name. It's a, it's a name that honors our gods now you would think well if he's a good christian he'd throw a fit over that he'd stand he'd stomp his foot and he'd stand up and say no way but you look at joseph and you look at also look at daniel he's another young man who served god and and guess what daniel shadrach meshach and abednego they all got trained in the pagan learning They all had to wear the the clothes of the other people. They all got names that were non-Hebrew names. And guess what? What they realized? None of that stuff really matters because I'm focused on in here. I know what I believe. I know how I'm going to live. And so I don't have to worry about people who are, you know, these tiny little things I don't have to be an outrage, <gasps> you took my WWJD bracelet, I'm really mad now, I, I'm going to get throw a fit. And we live in a world where Christians just throw a fit over little stuff all the time. Man, that's not what God, God put us to say, hey, respond to those in authority. But there, there's a final point. We know from the life of Daniel, he did everything he was told to do, but when they said, you're going to stop praying the way you pray, that was it. There's a limit when it comes between you and absolutely serving God and worshiping him. That's when you got to stand up, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like Daniel, just like so many other biblical uh, heroes of the faith did. But they didn't get bothered by all the little stuff. And folks, there's going, even if you're not normally like that, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself around really judgy, legalistic people that call themselves Christians. And they are enforcers of the judginess. You know, that's, that's their fun thing to do. And they're going to get on you because, oh, you're a Christian? Don't worry about all that stuff. You know, they'll answer to God, but you don't answer to them. You answer to God. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just keep on loving God and serving God and being faithful to him. And guess what? Joseph, he didn't worry about that pagan name they give him. They didn't worry about all the pagan clothing and all this other stuff. But you know what he did when he had his sons? He named them biblical Hebraic names. Names that were about God. He's like, they can do all this stuff around me, but they can't change what's in here. Who's the one that had to be impressed by outward appearances? Pharaoh right? He had to dress up. He had to pretend. He had to look a certain way and act a certain way in front of Pharaoh. But for God, who the Bible tells us looks not on the outward appearance, but looks on the heart, he simply had to stay true to God in his heart. Don't compromise your beliefs and your values, but don't sweat the little stuff. Don't be this outraged Christian who's always finding something to get angry about. Would you pray with me today? Father God, I come to you and I want to thank you so much for the life of Joseph. And he wasn't perfect, but God, he, he relied on you. He was a great example to us of, of how we can live for you in the midst of a, a world that does not acknowledge you. And so God, we pray that You'd give us strength. You'd give us faith to keep on trusting, to keep on serving, realizing that it's you ultimately that we serve. Not our bosses, not our supervisors, not the owners. Yeah, we work for them, but ultimately we work for you. God, we just pray that you'd help us to not be the fussy, high-maintenance kind of people that are always getting offended at every little thing. But, God, that you just help us to to understand that you're in control. And so we don't have to worry about every little thing. God, we simply have to keep following and loving you. God, bless this time of invitation that we have now. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.